ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. My name is Janice Porter, and I am delighted to have with me today Angela Champ. Angela is a senior vice president currently at Prospera Credit Union here in British Columbia, and she is in charge of people and culture. Welcome, Angela. Thank you, Janice. Great to be here. Excellent. I wanted to share just at the beginning how we met and, and um we haven't actually met in person. That's the wonder of um, the wonderful piece about Zoom video that we get to see each other. Um, one of my LinkedIn clients um, who works at your credit union uh, suggested after I saw something that he posted on his LinkedIn profile about a um, gratitude month that was happening at your company, I asked him who was um, behind that and he suggested a couple of names and said one of them was yours and that probably I should talk to you when I started looking into who you are first of all on your LinkedIn profile and then that took me to your website I found I was fascinated with all the different things that you do and you truly are an entrepreneur as well as a corporate vice president so I wanted to start there and just um, ask you to tell me a little bit more about what you do and what you're what you're passionate about Great. Thanks, Janice. That's very kind of you. So as you mentioned, I look after people in culture for a BC-based credit union. And in my role right now, uh, we look after everything from employee relations to talent attraction, payroll benefits, um, all of the things within human resources that help to create an environment for employees so that they, you know, when the alarm rings at six o'clock in the morning and they don't think, oh, I have to go to work. Instead, they say, yay, I get to go to work because we've created a working environment where people feel uh, really inspired to do their best work and be the best that they can be um, in an environment that, that celebrates who they are and uh, looking to elevate that. So that's what, what we do here in, in our department for the the employees uh, of Prospera Credit Union, which of course then helps our members of Prospera Credit Union. So that's what we do. As you mentioned, I do have a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, uh, I am one of those people that is interested in everything and anything. I have an insatiable curiosity about everything, how things work, why we do this. And so um, I've always throughout my, my life and my career have had these side projects um, where I get to do uh, passion projects, things that interest me. And uh, a few of the things that I've been doing sort of in the last few years is um, doing some writing. So I have a published book already out and uh, a translation in French ready to go, as well as uh, another one that's being written, not quite done yet, but, but hopefully will be published uh, next year. And um, another side project that I do that I'm very passionate about is an initiative called Work Like a Girl. And this is where I interview uh, women who work in non-traditional fields 
um, and I talked to them about their job, what is their job, and how do we get more girls and women interested in this field where they're not uh, rep equally represented in the workplace. Um, and it was, it's been a really fun project. They're on YouTube, um, Work Like a Girl, as well as on our website called worklikegirl.ca. And uh, so I get to do all sorts of fun things like that and much more, but uh, those are the two that uh, have been most dear to my heart of recent recent times. So many amazing things to talk about and ask you about. I know I was fascinated when I saw the work like work like a girl. Um, I, I watched a couple of the videos and and nothing. My background is teaching, and nothing makes me happier than to see uh, somebody working with young people because I think some of them is the whole idea being I think that you um, are able to influence young women with the work that you do in Work Like a Girl, right? So um, yes, I, I just love that because th there's still so much work to be done, right? We think we've come a long way, baby, but we really haven't, right? So um, I did notice uh, just on your LinkedIn profile, and I think you mentioned it to me in, a, in a, an email also that you have a new CEO at Prospera and it's a woman. And so that was really good to see as well. I mean. Do you think that's going to make a difference to the organization? So the credit union system, unlike a lot of other industries, uh, tends to be heavily skewed towards women. And so oh. women are actually well represented at the senior management roles within the credit union system as a whole in Canada, speaking okay. about Canada specifically. And ours specifically, um, we have... Uh, up until this new CEO, 50% of our senior leadership team was made of women, and 60% uh, of our senior managers are made of women. So we skew towards the, the women. I say up until recently because now with our CEO moving on, um, our uh, chief operating officer is now our president CEO. And so we've gone from six people on our executive to five, and now we actually skew heavier towards the women than we do to the men. So it'll make a difference in that it's a different style than, than our previous leader had, but I was extremely fortunate in, um, in that our former CEO uh, was an exceptional leader, had very strong leadership skills, was all about relationships, was all about mentoring, was all about the development of human potential. And our new CEO, who just started yesterday, uh, is also um, equally passionate. So different styles, different approach. But um, as, as um, Alan Jacobs say, says, uh, like-hearted people. And so uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Looking forward to working with our new CEO. And I think it'll continue to be great for our organization. That's all good news, actually. That's uh, very encouraging. So. Um, I understand that, uh, so I mentioned at the beginning that the little project that was going on that month, I think it was, is it part of a wellness program that you're doing for your staff? At That's right. In, uh, in 2018, we introduced a wellness program, um, and as part of that program, we looked at every month to um, have a particular challenge that focused on one or more of the, these four dimensions of wellness, which is physical wellness, mental wellness, social wellness, and um, 
sorry, um, financial wellness. <laughs> of course, I forget the one that we're all about, which is yes, of you know, financial. Yeah. Uh, and so what we try to do is have uh, different challenges uh, every month that focuses on one or more of those. And so uh, the one that you're talking about was our uh, gratitude challenge. Mm-hmm. What we did was we had uh, notebooks uh, printed up for all of our employees. They were very small. They could fit into your pocket or to your purse. And um, we encouraged people to uh, spend a few minutes every day to write down five things that they're grateful for. And, you know, it could be even something like, I'm grateful that the day is over, that I made it through the day, or I'm grateful for my cup of coffee, or I'm grateful that there was not as much traffic on the road, or very profound, I'm very grateful for my family, I'm grateful for the career that I'm doing. It could have been um, as small or as big as they wanted. And really the intent was um, to, to help with uh, people's um, mental wellness, uh, and social wellness and really uh, get them to lift their heads up from the, their, their devices, their telephones, look around and say, you know what, actually I have a lot to be grateful for. It was a very popular challenge and because the notebooks were actually, uh, had a lot of pages with them, I know that quite a few people uh, continued on with the gratitude challenge even after the month uh, finished. That's awesome. It, yeah, in case you're wondering, this month's challenge is a push-up challenge. I so we're doing, that. yeah, we're doing push-ups. That. Mm-hmm. equal to the day of the month that it is so on june 1st we did one push-up on the second of the month we're doing <coughs> push-ups today's the fourth and so we're going to do four push-ups we're a little nervous about the 30th of the month but uh, we believe that we can get there we believe we can i can get understand there. that but that's awesome and i think that each of these things in their own way must bring um camaraderie in the in the uh actual uh uh, I was going to say chapters, but in the actual uh, offices, right? In the different offices. Absolutely. I'll give you an example. So we uh, communicate a lot internally through Yammer. And so uh, through our people and culture team, a few of us on our team gathered together and uh, we made a little video of us collectively doing three push-ups because it was the third of the month. Right. And, and then we posted it on Yammer. And it was a lot of fun, particularly because you don't really expect uh, members of your people and culture or human resources team uh, to be dropping on the floor and doing push-ups for the whole organization to see. But also because we were all in business attire, I was wearing a dress and high-heeled shoes. And we thought, hey, what better way, time to do it than right now. And really we wanted to say it's accessible, it's fun, We've had a lot of laughs about the video. Uh, people have been posting comments. And so not only is it good for your physical wellness, uh, it helps with the mental wellness because physical health is, is good for your mental well-being, but it's also been good for the camaraderie and social wellness that you were just talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. And it must definitely um, pay uh, uh, dividends in in uh, how, in what you have wanted, how people feel about coming to work at, at their office. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, in now, I know from your um, bio that it says you have experience in various industries, including insurance, oil and gas, engineering, tourism, and banking. And so, you I know you were in Calgary for many years, I think, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, so, oil and gas, and that makes sense. But in in all of the different industries that you've been in, is there one or two things that holds true for all of them i mean in terms of um how relationship building makes it takes a um its role in what you do or is there anything you can share with us around building relationships that has been um constant 
Absolutely, and I'm sure many of your listeners will will um, relate to what I'm about to say, which is that when you have positive relationships with uh, not just your colleagues, but vendors, suppliers, um, other partners uh, in the industry or in your field, it makes work so much simpler. Because mm -hmm. when you have positive relationships, it means that you, um, at a very minimum, trust and respect each other. Uh, at the very best, you also like each other. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they don't always go hand in hand, but, uh, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to have all of that, when you have trust and respect, and then especially if you have like on top of that, it makes it so much easier to do business because if you need something, uh, people are more willing to help you. People are more willing to work with you. People do not think that you have a hidden agenda. And so they are trusting of you and for you. And, and people feel good about helping other people. And so it makes them feel good as well. When you don't have those relationships, when uh, it's more challenging, work slows down. You don't get you don't get that that report when you need it. You don't get that product delivered uh, when it was promised. Uh, it, it takes a longer to negotiate, and so positive relationship building is very important in the corporate world internally, but also if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to um, extend your business and, and partner with others to to help your business to, through vertical integration or horizontal integration or whatever it is. So um, for sure, that, that's a very, very important part of business. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I want to talk for, uh, for a minute about uh, the work like, work like a girl. Yeah, work like a girl. And I want to know, just out of curiosity, because when you said that at the beginning of our conversation about you being so curious, that's me in a nutshell. I am so curious about so many things. And I, I love that, you know, you get that because that's what, what I thrive on. Have you ever read the book, um, A Curious Mind? I haven't. It's by Brian Grazer, who owns Imagine Entertainment with uh, Ron Howard. Uh, it, it's a series of his interviews that he did that, and, and sort of his story through how he got to where he did by doing these interviews of, along the way. It's quite interesting, actually. It's fun, easy read, but it's, it's, it's good. Um, that, I digress. So in Work Like a Girl, who have you interviewed that's had the most interesting or diverse or strange job for a girl, for a woman? Yeah. Oh, that, my gosh. You know, we've, we've done um, quite a few of those interviews and everything from engineers uh, to um, plumbers. Okay. To um, film producers and directors. Gosh, who has been, it, it, it's, it's hard to choose because each one was unique in its own right, either because um, they were the first female in their company or on their team. Mm -hmm. So they had to uh, overcome certain barriers that perhaps other employees may not, or uh, because it is such a, a non-traditional role for women like a plumber, mm -hmm. uh, or because it went against societal or, or cultural conventions. So I interviewed uh, this one woman who was in the film industry and you think, well, okay, maybe that's not, um, such a different professional. There were very, very few. 
but she had to overcome her family's and her cultural uh, expectations around what women and girls could do in order to do what she's passionate about. And so this was a, uh, not just uh, important to me because it's about getting women into non-traditional roles, but it also gave me a perspective about it's not just the male-female um, uh, debate about professions. Right. It's really about cultural. What do what does society expect? What do you what does your family expect? And sometimes it, it's more than just opening the the doors in schools to more women, offering scholarships or encouraging them through from the high school beyond. It's really about society and how it perceives it so you know there there were so many of them that that were profound to me for so many different reasons okay fair, fair enough that actually makes me think of a woman i spoke to on sunday at a social gathering and she is a pilot with air canada and she is mm, 46 i think and she's been a pilot for quite a long time and still struggling with being respected for what she does because there's still only I think she said 0.6% of the pilots are Canadian or are, are women and she might be a, a fun person to interview actually for your work like a girl because she's very gregarious outgoing and really knows her stuff and I don't know think about that I'll let you know if, if you and I'll connect you um, tell me a little bit about I noticed that you're starting to write or in the middle of writing a fiction book. Yes, so that one's been a, a work in progress since about 2017. Uh, I, I'm actually almost done, but I haven't done that final push to, to finish it. And I don't know if I'm doing that because I'm lazy or uh, because I don't want it to finish because then I've got to give it up. But uh, it's, uh, it's something that I've been working on. Fiction is a lot harder to write than nonfiction. I'm, I'm much more practiced and comfortable in nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So my the book that I is published, it's called It Depends. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. Yeah, that one is nonfiction. That one was easy to write, and I'm, I'm doing another one right now uh, on careers that I'm finding very easy to write. Fiction is a whole other animal because. You, you need to make sure that you've got the storyline, that you've got art, that it's interesting enough for your readers, uh, that they want to keep turning the page, um, but, but not so, uh, so much action or, or interest that it, it's, it's overwhelming. So it's a lot. I have a lot of respect for, for fiction writers who, who do it, publish or not publish, because it's a lot harder than nonfiction, for sure. I'm just totally impressed with anyone who writes. I'm a talker, not a writer, so <laughs> I'm just fascinated by it. But I'm also interested in the in the book you just mentioned, um, which seems to me to be more of a uh, guide for people to use in business. It's called It Depends, Employee Relations Case Studies for Human Resources Professionals and Students. And I noticed there's, you know, several chapters, each with a different sort of topic. And... Uh, it sounds to me like it could be uh, used in in the workplace, but also in college or something like that. I don't know. Is is that the goal? Is that I know it's been out for a couple of years, right? Yeah, it was out in September 2017. So it is used uh, in organizations by human resources teams or line managers, as well as in a couple of colleges. So I'm pretty happy about that. Mm -hmm. And it's a series of case studies. Each case study has two to four scenarios where the details change slightly. And the intent is to, to go through the case study or the scenarios 
and um, ideally as a group, or you can do it on your own as well, really discuss within our organization, how would we um, handle this scenario? And then when you look at the next scenario where the details change, would your outcome change because of that? And it's really about getting uh, people to understand whether it's human resources or line managers or, or anybody who deals with employees to really understand that uh, often dealing with employee relations issues is contextual. It really depends on what are the laws of the jurisdiction, what is the practice of your organization, uh, what is the person's work history, uh, what are the circumstances around the situation, because uh, you might have two seemingly identical scenarios, but the outcome could be different depending on which jurisdiction you are because the laws are different mm -hmm. or whether somebody's a one-year employee versus a 20-year employee uh, and the severity or the frequency of the issue. And so uh, sometimes employee relations issues can seem really easy. You hear it on the news, you hear, oh, so, you know, this, this organization did this and you're thinking as you're driving along, hearing it on the radio news, oh, I just fire this person. But it's not always that easy. And so the, the book, it, yeah, it depends, exactly, and that's why it's called that. I and love so it. it's really about getting people to uh, work through the case studies, again, individually or as a group, and really think about what are the circumstances in my jurisdiction, in my organization, or with this employee that could change the outcome if it were to take place somewhere else. So it's, it's really thought-provoking. And have you uh, been the guest speaker after a group in an organization has discussed things in your book? I have indeed. I've, I've been the, the guest speaker um, both at schools and at organizations, as well as um, being the guest speaker before they tackled mm -hmm. the cases of the book. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. So you get to do your corporate job and you also get to Feel, feel your passion by helping others in those scenarios. I love it. Absolutely. I want to ask you about one more thing, and it's an article that you wrote in, on LinkedIn, and I loved the title as well as the message, uh, how to embrace, and I'm just paraphrasing now, that how to embrace and the advice you'd give about squiggly line careers. I loved that title, and uh, again, you're very creative, and, and I love that. Tell us a little bit about that, the squiggly, and give your advice around uh, career growing, you know, building your career based on the squiggly line career. Sure. Uh, I found that in uh, many of my corporate roles, uh, when I've worked with um, managers, hiring managers, or, or just the organization as a whole, uh, when it comes to recruiting, uh, sometimes they are uh, a little bit limited in what they accept as a good candidate. They have to have 10 years experience in exactly what you're looking for um, and be willing to, to, to accept a certain salary. And I've always encouraged managers and, and HR to, to look beyond just the actual experience, to look at people instead who have the skill set and the aptitude for the work, not necessarily the experience. Because one of the challenges, this started when I was working for the oil and gas company. They were very, very specific about what they wanted. They not only wanted engineers, they had to be reservoir engineers. Not only did they have to be reservoir engineers, they have to have experience in Canada. Not only did they have to have Canadian experience, it had to be in the Western Basin. Now, do you know how hard it is to find <laughs> that, that animal? It's not easy. Yeah. And so, um, Sometimes organizations do this to themselves where they, they need to find 
uh, people, but they only want to have people who've already done the job for 10 years. Sometimes it's hard to attract those people because why would they leave their current organization just to go and do exactly the same thing? Um, so that's from the organization's perspective. Now, there are some jobs where you want people to have the experience. I don't want the neurosurgeon um, who came and used to work as a circus clown right. to come and operate on my head, right? Like sometimes you want people and you need people to have that, that experience and that designation. But for the majority of particularly corporate roles, it's really about the aptitude and the skill set than it is about the, the experience. On the employee side, what I um, uh, counsel people who ask me is, don't think of your career as linear. So in, a, in an insurance um, company that I used to work for, you started off as the assistant, and then you became the underwriter, then you became the senior underwriter, and then you became the manager of underwriters. Well, that's fairly limited because there's a lot of uh, assistants, and then as you go up that scale, there's fewer and fewer of those other roles. And so you can find your career can be blocked. Right. But if you're willing to change, if you go from underwriting to claims, from claims to finance, from finance to marketing, and so on, then it actually opens up different avenues. It gives you different skill sets and it makes you more marketable. And so it's both for, for uh, hiring, manager, hiring managers and corporations, but also for employees to really be mindful about, don't limit yourself to thinking about just the experience. Think about the skill set and the aptitude to do that work. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. I actually heard one person recently, and it was, to me, music to my ears, um, who my daughter, I think, was talking to him about possibly going to work for him. And she's not here right now. She's in Toronto. And he interviewed her and for the similar industry, same industry. But he said to me one time, he said, I don't hire for the for the job I hired the person and I'll find the right job and it just exactly. yes that was brilliant to me and not always what's done so that's really in line with that I think and I, and I love it um, so thank you for that um, I'm going to ask you because you're a writer and because you're into reading and you're curious and or you know you write books you probably read a lot one last question and then I'm gonna let you go and that is what are you reading now or what's your favorite book or do you, that you would go pick up again or, you know, something around that? So I do read a lot. I read about a book a week, depending mm -hmm. on if it's fiction or nonfiction. Uh, one that I finished recently is called The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. And this is a great one for your topic uh, because what she talks about is whether you're having a business meeting a birthday party, a conference, uh, there really is an art to that gathering. And if you set the intention and if you're deliberate in who you invite and what you do during those events, again, the meeting, the party, the conference, whatever it might be, you actually would get more out of it. And that one really stuck with me because we tend to go along with, right? We, we, we get invited to meetings, we show up, Sometimes there's no intention to it, or uh, we go to um, a fundraiser, but the organizers might not really take advantage of having certain people there. And so it, it really got me thinking, and it's all about relationships and what you do with those relationships, or how you create relationships within that moment of the gathering. And so I thought it would really fit in with your topic, your uh, Relationship Rules uh, podcast. Uh, so that, that's one that I, I recommend. I read it a few weeks ago, and I do recommend that. 
I just literally today picked up a new one. It's called Big Potential by Sean Acor. I haven't gotten into it, so I can't tell you too much about it, but uh, that will be my next one that I'm reading now. And that's the happiness guy, right? Sean? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I will look up that book, The Art of Gathering, and let you know what I think, but it sounds really interesting because I think it's true um, that setting the intention for whatever uh, the gathering is can make it certainly much more interesting for you and for everybody that's there. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a delight. Thank you so much, Angela, for taking the time to be on my podcast. And I, uh, how can people get hold of you? That's the last thing. And I will put it in the show notes as well, but just let, let them know. Thank you, Janice, for having me. Uh, if anybody's interested, you can always look at my website, which is angelachamp.com. That's angelachamplikechampion.com. And there you can find information about the book, but also a link to the videos of Work Like a Girl. You can also look at our website, worklikeagirl.ca, or check us out on YouTube. And uh, you can also link in with me at the Angela Champ. And would love to hear from some of your listeners and uh, also hear about what some of their favorite books are. I'm always looking for book recommendations. Exactly. Thanks very much for that. You're very welcome. And thank you so much. And I like to say to everybody that I speak to on my podcasts, stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.